Chapter Eighteen of *The Hour of the Dragon* by Robert E. Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eighteen: I am the woman who never died. Conan stared with burning interest at his masked companions. One of them was the other themes, or else the destination of the band was a rendezvous with the man he sought. And he knew what that destination was, when beyond the palms he glimpsed a black triangular bulk looming against the shadowy sky. They passed through the belt of huts and groves, and if any man saw them he was careful not to show himself. The huts were dark. Behind them the black towers of Kahemi rose gloomily against the stars that were mirrored in the waters of the harbor. Ahead of them the desert stretched away in dim darkness. Somewhere a jackal yapped. The quick passing sandals of the silent neophytes made no noise in the sand. They might have been ghosts moving toward that colossal pyramid that rose out of the murk of the desert. There was no sound over all the sleeping land. Conan's heart beat quicker as he gazed at the grim black wedge that stood etched against the stars, and his impatience to close with the utter themes in whatever conflict the meeting might mean was not unmixed with a fear of the unknown. No man could approach one of those somber piles of black stone without apprehension. The very name was a symbol of repellent horror among the northern nations, and legends hinted that the Stygians did not build them, that they were in the land at whatever immeasurably ancient date the dark-skinned people came into the land of the great river. As they approached the pyramid, he glimpsed a dim glow near the base which presently resolved itself into a doorway, on either side of which brooded stone lions with the heads of women, cryptic, inscrutable nightmares crystallized in stone. The leader of the band made straight for the doorway, in the deep well of which Conan saw a shadowy figure. The leader paused an instant beside this dim figure, and then vanished into the dark interior, and one by one the others followed. As each masked priest passed through the gloomy portal, he was halted briefly by the mysterious guardian, and something passed between them, some word or gesture Conan could not make out. Seeing this, the Cimmerian purposely lagged behind, and stooping, pretended to be fumbling with the fastening of his sandal. Not until the last of the masked figures had disappeared did he straighten and approach the portal. He was uneasily wondering if the guardian of the temple were human, remembering some tales he had heard, but his doubts were set at rest. A dim bronze crescent glowing just within the door lighted a long narrow corridor that ran away into the blackness, and a man standing silent in the mouth of it, wrapped in a wide black cloak. No one else was in sight. Obviously the masked priest had disappeared down the corridor. Over the cloak that was drawn about his lower features, the Stygian's piercing eyes regarded Conan sharply. With his left hand he made a curious gesture. On a venture Conan imitated it, but evidently another gesture was expected. 
the stygian's right hand came from under his cloak with a gleam of steel and his murderous stab would have pierced the heart of an ordinary man but he was dealing with one whose thews were nerved to the quickness of a jungle cat even as the dagger flashed in the dim light conan caught the dusky wrist and smashed his clenched right fist against the stygian's jaw the man's head went back against the stone wall with a dull crunch that told of a fractured skull standing for an instant above him conan listened intently the cresset burned low casting vague shadows about the door nothing stirred in the blackness beyond though far away and below him as it seemed he caught the faint muffled note of a gong he stooped and dragged the body behind the great bronze door which stood wide opening inward and then the cimmerian went warily but swiftly down the corridor toward what doom he did not even try to guess he had not gone far when he halted baffled the corridor split in two branches and he had no way of knowing which the masked priest had taken at a venture he chose the left the floor slanted slightly downward and was worn smooth by many feet here and there a dim cresset cast a faint nightmarish twilight conan wondered uneasily for what purpose these colossal piles had been reared in what forgotten age this was an ancient ancient land no man knew how many ages the black temples of stygia had looked against the stars narrow black arches opened occasionally to right and left but he kept to the main corridor although a conviction that he had taken the wrong branch was growing in him even with their start on him he should have overtaken the priest by this time he was growing nervous the silence was like a tangible thing and yet he had a feeling that he was not alone more than once passing a nighted arch he seemed to feel the glare of unseen eyes fixed upon him he paused half-minded to turn back to where the corridor had first branched he wheeled abruptly knife lifted every nerve tingling a girl stood at the mouth of a smaller tunnel staring fixedly at him her ivory skin showed her to be a stygian of some ancient noble family and like all such women she was tall lithe voluptuously figured her hair a great pile of black foam among which gleamed a sparkling ruby but for her velvet sandals and broad jewel-crusted girdle about her supple waist she was quite nude what do you hear she demanded to answer would betray his alien origin he remained motionless a grim somber figure in the hideous mask with the plumes floating over him his alert gaze sought the shadows behind her and found them empty but there might be hordes of fighting men within her call she advanced toward him apparently without apprehension though with suspicion you are not a priest she said you are a fighting man even with that mask that is plain there is as much difference between you and a priest as there is between a man and a woman by set she exclaimed halting suddenly her eyes flaring wide 
I do not believe you are even a Stygian. With a movement too quick for the eye to follow, his hand closed about her round throat lightly as a caress. Not a sound out of you, he muttered. Her smooth ivory flesh was cold as marble, yet there was no fear in the wide, dark, marvelous eyes which regarded him. Do not fear, she answered calmly. I will not betray you, but are you not mad to come, a stranger and a foreigner, to the forbidden temple of Set? I'm looking for the priest Theotothemes, he answered. Is he in this temple? Why do you seek him? she parried. He has something of mine which was stolen. I will lead you to him, she volunteered so promptly that his suspicions were instantly roused. Don't play with me, girl, he growled. I do not play with you. I have no love for Thuutta themes. He hesitated, then made up his mind. After all, he was as much in her power as she was in his. Walk beside me, he commanded, shifting his grasp from her throat to her wrist. But walk with care. If you make a suspicious move. She led him down the slanting corridor, down and down, until there were no more cressets, and he groped his way in darkness, aware less by sight than by feel and sense of the woman at his side. Once, when he spoke to her, she turned her head toward him, and he was startled to see her eyes glowing like golden fire in the dark. Dim doubts and vague monstrous suspicions haunted his mind, but he followed her through a labyrinthine maze of black corridors that confused even his primitive sense of direction. He mentally cursed himself for a fool, allowing himself to be led into that black abode of mystery. But it was too late to turn back now. Again he felt life and movement in the darkness about him, sensed peril and hunger burning impatiently in the blackness. Unless his ears deceived him, he caught a faint sliding noise that ceased and receded at a muttered command from the girl. She led him at last into a chamber lighted by a curious seven-branched candelabrum in which black candles burned weirdly. He knew they were far below the earth. The chamber was square, with walls and ceilings of polished black marble, and furnished after the manner of the ancient Stygians. There was a couch of ebony covered with black velvet, and on a black stone dais lay a carven mummy-case. Conan waited expectantly, staring at the various black arches which opened into the chamber, but the girl made no move to go farther. Stretching herself on the couch with feline suppleness, she intertwined her fingers behind her sleek head and regarded him from under long, drooping lashes. "'Well,' he demanded impatiently, "'what are you doing? Where's the Atathemes?' "'There is no haste,' she answered lazily. "'What is an hour, or a day, or a year, or a century, for that matter? Take off your mask. Let me see your features.' With a grunt of annoyance, Conan dragged off the bulky headpiece, 
and the girl nodded as if in approval as she scanned his dark scarred face and blazing eyes there is strength in you great strength you could strangle a bullock he moved restlessly his suspicion growing with his hand on his hilt he peered into the gloomy arches if you brought me into a trap he said you won't live to enjoy your handiwork are you going to get off that couch and do as you promised or do i have to his voice trailed away he was staring at the mummy case on which the countenance of the occupant was carved in ivory with the startling vividness of a forgotten art there was a disquieting familiarity about that carven mask and with something of a shock he realized what it was there was a startling resemblance between it and the face of the girl lolling on the ebon couch she might have been the model from which it was carved but he knew the portrait was at least centuries old archaic hieroglyphics were scrawled across the lacquered lid and seeking back into his mind for tag-ins of learning picked up here and there as incidentals of an adventurous life he spelled them out and said aloud akivasha you have heard of princess akivasha inquired the girl on the couch who hasn't he grunted the name of that ancient evil beautiful princess still lived in the world over in song and legend though ten thousand years had rolled their cycles since the daughter of tutamon had reveled in purple feasts amid the black halls of ancient luxor her only sin was that she loved life and all the meanings of life said the stygian girl to win life she courted death she could not bear to think of growing old and shriveled and worn and dying at last as hags die she wooed darkness like a lover and his gift was life life that not being life as mortals know it can never grow old and fade she went into the shadows to cheat age and death conan glared at her with eyes that were suddenly burning slits and he wheeled and tore the lid from the sarcophagus it was empty behind him the girl was laughing and the sound froze the blood in his veins he whirled back to her the short hairs on his neck bristling you are akivasha he grated she laughed and shook back her burnished locks spread her arms sensuously i am akivasha i am the woman who never died who never grew old who fools say was lifted from the earth by the gods in the full bloom of her youth and beauty to queen it forever in some celestial clime <laughs> nay it is in the shadows that mortals find immortality ten thousand years ago i died to live forever give me your lips strong man rising lithely she came to him rose on tiptoe and flung her arms about his massive neck scowling down into her upturned beautiful countenance he was aware of a fearful fascination and an icy fear love me she whispered her head thrown back eyes closed and lips parted 
Give me of your blood to renew my youth and perpetuate my everlasting life. I will make you too immortal. I will teach you the wisdom of all the ages, all the secrets that have lasted out the eons in the blackness beneath these dark temples. I will make you king of that shadowy horde which revels among the tombs of the ancients when night veils the desert and bats flit across the moon. I am weary of priests and magicians and captive girls dragged screaming through the portals of death. I desire a man. Love me, barbarian. She pressed her dark head down against his mighty breast, and he felt a sharp pang at the base of his throat. With a curse he tore her away and flung her sprawling across the couch. Damned vampire! Blood was trickling from a tiny wound in his throat. She reared up on the couch like a serpent poised to strike, all the golden fires of hell blazing in her wide eyes. Her lips drew back, revealing white, pointed teeth. Fool! she shrieked. Do you think? To escape me you will live and die in darkness i have brought you far below the temple you can never find your way out alone you can never cut your way through those which guard the tunnels but for my protection the sons of set would long ago have taken you into their bellies fool i shall yet drink your blood keep away from me or i'll slash you asunder he grunted, his flesh crawling with revulsion. You may be immortal, but steel will dismember you. As he backed toward the arch through which he had entered, the light went out suddenly. All the candles were extinguished at once, though he did not know how, for Akivasha had not touched them. But the vampire's laugh rose mockingly behind him, poison sweet as the vials of hell and he sweated as he groped in the darkness for the arch in a near panic his fingers encountered an opening and he plunged through it whether it was the arch through which he had entered he did not know nor did he very much care his one thought was to get out of the haunted chamber which had housed that beautiful hideous undead fiend for so many centuries his wanderings through those black winding tunnels were a sweating nightmare. Behind him and about him he heard faint slitherings and glidings, and once the echo of that sweet hellish laughter he had heard in the chambers of Akivasha. He slashed furiously at sounds and movements he heard or imagined he heard in the darkness near him, and once his sword cut through some yielding tenuous substance that might have been cobwebs. He had a desperate feeling that he was being played with, lured deeper and deeper into ultimate night, before being set upon by demoniac talon and fang. And through his fear ran the sickening revulsion of his discovery. The legend of Akivasha was so old, and among the evil tales told of her ran a thread of beauty and idealism of everlasting youth. To so many dreamers and poets and lovers, she was not alone the evil princess of Stygian legend. 
but the symbol of eternal youth and beauty shining forever in some far realm of the gods and this was the hideous reality this foul perversion was the truth of that everlasting life through his physical revulsion ran the sense of a shattered dream of man's idolatry its glittering gold proved slime and cosmic filth a wave of futility swept over him a dim fear of the falseness of all men's dreams and idolatries and now he knew that his ears were not playing him tricks he was being followed and his pursuers were closing in on him in the darkness sounded shufflings and slidings that were never made by human feet no nor by the feet of any normal animal the underworld had its bestial life too perhaps they were behind him he turned to face them though he could see nothing and slowly backed away then the sound ceased even before he turned his head and saw somewhere down the long corridor a glow of light end of chapter 18